Brilliant. Right, am I switched on? Yes, I can hear it myself. Brilliant. Okay, let's see if I can make this work. Can you see that okay? Brilliant. It's good to be here with everybody. It's so interesting, isn't it, when you hear some of the prophetic words come in. And, and it's actually really encouraging because some of the prophetic words that have come um, um, helps me to realise, actually, do you know what I've got to bring to you today is actually in line with that, which is great. And, um, you know, and this thing about, about vision, this, you know, you come into this new season of, um, of fasting and praying and there's something about that that actually does help bring clarity to what it is that we're going after. And hearing the words today, it was hear, listening and hearing that and, and realizing that God is wanting to bring clarity to you. And that is something really exciting. That's something to get excited about. That's something that, you know, if we have clarity about something, we can run after it, can't we? We can see where we're going and we can go with excitement, with confidence, because we can, we're seeing where we're going. And so, um, so I really believe that you're going to see so much in these coming 21 days that God is going to like bring so much freshness to you. I believe that there are going to be aha moments in this time as well. I really felt that specifically, aha moments, as you start seeing things more clearly and God's starting to speak to you through this time of um, praying and fasting. So I'm going to read um, from John 1, um, from verse 1 to 18 to you. And I'm reading from the NIV version. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born of not not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying. This is the one I spoke about. When I said. He who comes after me has surpassed me. Because he was before me. 
Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So this is a grand poetic prologue to the rest of John's gospel. And reading through this, it's really, I find it's really interesting how John takes us right back to the beginning of time. Because when we look at the Gospel of Matthew and, and he is talking about Jesus and he, he traces Jesus back through the ancestry line and he traces him back to Abraham. And then when we read Luke's gospel and um, Luke in there is, is describing Jesus and he traces Jesus right back even further to Adam. And then when I read this, I think, wow, John is tracing him right back to the beginning of time. Before there was ever life here on earth, before ever man walked on this earth, he takes us right back to the beginning And this passage is trying to set the scene for us by telling us who Jesus is. Let's see if I can get this right. Am I doing this right? Okay, is this working now or not? Cool. So this passage is taking us... um, it's trying to set us, set the scene for us, telling us who Jesus is, where he is from, and how Jesus relates to God. The scene that is being set for us is that Jesus is God. Jesus comes from God. And the way he relates to God is by being the Son of God. This passage is like, I want you to know who Jesus is. I want you to know that he was here. He was before all things. I want you to know who Jesus is. Jesus is is not just this miracle working man that walked the earth. He is so much more than that. And yet he was a miracle working man that walked the earth. Just like you and me. We can find in chapter 20 verse 30 of John's gospel. The reason why John wrote this gospel. He says that I wrote this gospel because I want people who read it. As they read the life of Jesus Christ. And they discover all the miracles that he did. And the things that he said. They will believe. The whole point of this gospel is that it touches our hearts. It makes a difference to us that as we're turning over the pages, we're seeing something of Jesus and it stirs something up in us. That we see that Jesus is the one who was sent. This passage is to draw us into the mystery of God, into the very heart of God. This gospel is displaying the life of Jesus. And it's trying to convince us that he is the saviour. And as we choose to believe in him, we become children of God. 
We're not meant to read about the life of Jesus and, and come away and, and think, oh, what great historical information that was. You know, we're not supposed to come away and say, oh, it's good to know a bit more about who Jesus is. But when we read this gospel, something is meant to happen to our hearts. Something is supposed to stir up within us. John, the disciple who wrote this gospel, his deepest identity was that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves when he describes himself in the narrative of John's gospel. I don't think that John wrote that, think, actually believing I am the only one that Jesus loves. I don't believe that at all. I think that he had the kind of relationship with Jesus that to him it felt like I am the only one that's here. He's making me feel like I am the one that he loves. Often we think that our identity is all wrapped up in our role or what we do. But in fact, our deepest need is to be loved. Our deepest identity is being what the one that Jesus loves. The most profound desire any of us have, whether we're in need or plenty or whether we're sick or whether we're healthy, is for true relationships. Now, what would our lives actually be like if we believed of ourselves? If we went around knowing this, convinced of this, I am the one that Jesus loves. I am the one that Jesus loves. What difference would that make to your life if you were convinced of that? In John 1.14, it says that, that the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. This phrase can also be translated from the Greek word skenoo. Now, you didn't know I was going to bring you some Greek words today, did you? So, uh, which literally means to pitch a tent. Now, I know last time I was here, I brought some bleach and I don't know if you remember that and my rubber gloves and... Um, and I wish I'd have brought a tent, actually. I'd love to have brought this massive tent and had that here. But the word skene means, meaning tent, is the very word that's used in the New Testament to refer to the tabernacle of God, which was used by the Israelites for their early worship. It was this wooden structure with this tent over it. And the glory of God came and dwelt in this tent, and so when we read the Old Testament in, in Exodus 40, it's talking about how the, the glory of God camped out with the Israelites. And he was with the Israelites as they walked through the wilderness. The word in perfect union with the Father and the Holy Spirit became flesh made his dwelling among us. In other words, Jesus came from everlasting to camp out with us. Now, how amazing is that? Now, I don't know what you think about camping, okay? Giving up all your comforts. 
all your luxuries, all your nice things around you. And if you think about it, Jesus went from glory to camp out with us. And some of us may enjoy camping, but it's not always a bed of roses. It can be quite hard, especially if the weather's bad. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of your airbed flat in the morning. It's not great. It's not fun, is it, when it's a bit cold? You know, even though you might have the kind of sleeping bag that's, that's good enough for the Antarctic, you know, I, I'm quite often, I've got this massive sleeping bag and I'm wearing 10 layers of clothes and, and I've got my hats and my gloves on and to trying to keep warm. And then there's this camping stove. You've only got one. It's not like being at home with your nice big cooker and your lots of pans and your oven. But you've got this one stove, you've got your pan on there, and you're making this concoction because you've only got one pan. So you have to throw everything in. So eat weird stuff as well. It's not great. But, um, and then you don't always have electricity or you don't have a signal for your phone. Now, if you need the loo in the night, now that is tricky. Especially if you have got a sleeping bag that's zipped right up to the ear and you're wearing 10 layers of clothes and, and you've got to get out of your sleeping bag, which is not easy because you're full of, got all these clothes all wrapped around you. And then you're scampering about to look for your shoes and you're, you're trying to be as quiet as you can, but that's ridiculous because the walls are made of cloth and everyone can hear it and you're being really trying to be really quiet you're knocking things over and you only find one shoe which is now a problem because you're really desperate for the loo I don't know if you've ever been like that that's me so and you still got you got to cross the field to get to the loo as well so it can be awkward it can be uncomfortable being away from home it's different it's different to what you're used to but the creator of heaven and earth did that very thing so that he can be with us. He came to be flesh and blood, fragile, vulnerable, dependent. The word became flesh. The infinite word, who is God, who is one with God, became one of us. Fragile, vulnerable human being. He, titch, he pitched his tent among us so that we could get to know him. I'm glad he didn't turn around to the father and say, I don't camp. Who do you think I am? I just don't do camping. I've heard people say that, by the way. Now, he came to guide us towards God, to help us to know God's love, his tenderness, his kindness, his mercy, his grace, his truth, his understanding, his forgiveness. People's understanding of God had moved so far from who God actually was. John said that the the world that he created for himself did not recognize him. The ones he made, they didn't know who he was. Because he had this expectation of who Jesus was to be. And when he came, they didn't recognize him. Didn't fit in with their expectations of what they were looking for in a saviour. 
He came to reveal to us who he is by living amongst us, to show us that we can have that deep longing to be loved. He came to give us and show us what it was to be in true relationship. And he continues to do that by his Holy Spirit. Even today, his Holy Spirit comes and lives in us so we can know know this intimacy. When we believe God and put our trust in the one who is sent, we become part of the mission of God to reveal him, to show who he is. Our true, our relationship with him demonstrates a God who is a God of love, of friendship. And, and this is who we, this is part of our mission when we become children of God. The thing about um, camping is that it's temporary. This world in which we live, our lives that we're living, is not going to last forever. It's temporary. It's just for a moment. It's not forever. And I don't actually mind going on camping trips. I actually find it quite adventurous going on camping trips. But I'm sure glad when it's time to pack up and go home, back to my own bed, back to my sofa, back to my shower. Even the simplest things just seem so amazing. The things that we've taken for granted. Camping is temporary. We're not meant to make it into something permanent. We're not meant to start building extensions or or, or making a garden or, or thinking I'm going to be here for a long time. It's just a temporary thing. You know our home is not this world. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. The glory to be in the glory of God. Someone said this phrase once and it kind of stuck with me. She said that that every day when she does anything, she always prays, let what I do for you, God, let it, whatever I do today, let it be part of eternity. Whatever I do, let it contribute to your eternal plans. And she was an ordinary woman like you and me. She was an ordinary person in a job where she interacted with people every single day. And she recognized that, that there's something about her life. There's something about her being with the people in her workplace, being with the people that God had put her amongst, that she could do something that lasted for eternity. In this temporary world, God has given us a mission to build something that will last forever. God sent Jesus into this world to make himself known. He was sent to camp out and live amongst us so that we can be in relationship with him. And we're sent in the same way as Jesus into this world to make him known with our lives. This world will pass away. And yes, camping is exciting sometimes, but this mission that we're on is exciting. It's adventurous. It's about reaching the lost and being part of an eternal plan, making a difference for all of eternity. How are you living for eternity in this temporary life? John 1, 16 says, There was a man, and his name was John. 
He was sent by God to be a witness, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. Jesus, John the Baptist says of Jesus that after me comes one who was before me. He's acknowledging that this is an everlasting God. John the Baptist directs his disciples to focus on Jesus. Everyone that comes to Jesus, he says, look. Everyone that comes to John the Baptist, he says, look at Jesus. Anyone that comes to him to be baptized, he says, look to Jesus. Look to him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The light and life of all mankind. Follow him. You know, the way that we live our life, the way that we live our life that, that, um, that's, that contributes to eternity, to build something that lasts forever, is us taking on that mandate of John the Baptist that says, I want people, when they look at me, I want to point to Jesus. I want my life to point to Jesus, the saviour of the world, who will save you, who will love you, who will make you whole. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 21. I'm going to read this from the Passion Version, and it talks about the ministry of reconciliation that God has put inside each and every one of us. And from the Message Translation, verse 11 says this, I mean the Passion Translation, it says this, Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. I love that. We make it our passion to persuade others. It's good to worship God. It's good to realize how amazing he is. It's good to see how eternal he is. It's good because it stirs something up in us, stirs this passion. If we are going to persuade anyone of anything, it's those things that we're passionate about. Get passionate about Jesus in this time where we want to see, we want to be fishers of men, don't we? We want to see people say the people that we're praying for, the people that we know need God so much. Let's be passionate about the one that we're talking about. Let's be passionate about the one that we're displaying with our lives. Verse 18 carries on with this. And God has made all things new. And reconciled us to the, us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. He has entrusted to you the very message that he came to earth to camp out with us. He came from glory, from eternity to come to be with us, to give us this message. And now he's entrusted that message to you. Verse 20. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf 
Turn back to God and, and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. We are those who have been reconciled to God as a new creation. And now we have this ministry of reconciliation living in us. In every single person in this room who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Every person in this room who is a child of God has the ministry of reconciliation living in you. He's entrusted that ministry to you. The very precious ministry of revealing God, introducing Jesus to people. We're ambassadors for Christ. That's who we are. That's who we became when we became new creations. Jesus came to camp out with us. And now he's making his appeal through us. It's our mission. It's our mission to reconcile people to God. That's why we are here. That's why he puts the Holy Spirit inside you. This becomes like our purpose in life. To show people God. To reveal Jesus Christ. It's our purpose. I don't think that um, that one day God suddenly decided, you know what, I've got all these people in my church. All these amazing people in my church. And, and you know what, there's so many of them, I really would not want them to get bored. I don't want them to get lazy. So I tell you what I'll do. I'll give you all something to do. And he decided that he was going to give everyone a mission. I don't believe God did that. In fact, God already had a mission. He had a mission already. When he created, when he created the world, when he created light and life, when he created you, he already had a mission. God created you for that mission. He created you perfectly to be part of his mission. The mission of God, his desire to reach people, his desire to have true relationship, his desire to be at one with the people that he created. And he calls us to be part of that mission. So, I'm really sorry, you don't get to decide what your mission is. (laughs) It's already been decided. So, if we're not living our lives as ambassadors for Christ, if we're not living our lives with this amazing calling and purpose, then we're not fulfilling what we were created to be. And by the way... You know, God did not say, I want to create people to make me look good because he already looks good. There's nothing that we can do to make God look any better than what he does. We're just revealing who he actually is. John the Baptist's mission was to point people to Jesus, to move people towards Jesus so that they welcome him in their hearts when they meet him. He didn't even want a name for himself. He didn't seem to have a problem 
been all about being a witness. In fact, he was prepared to be considered as a nobody. He said of himself, I'm even unworthy to tie the sandals of Jesus. No, John was a miracle child. It was a miracle that he was born. And it says in Luke 1, 15, that, that he would be great in the eyes of the Lord and would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He didn't mind being a nobody. I think sometimes the enemy will try to make us feel like that we have to fight for our right to, to be somebody, to have significance. What would our lives be like as ambassadors of Jesus if, if we were content just being loved by him? If we were content with just being at one with him and, and saying to God, God, what is it that you want me to do today? How do you want me to be today? How do you want me to reach the lost today? What would our lives be like if every day we said, God, let what I do be part of eternity? All I want to do is represent Christ as his ambassador. And the thing is, that in God's eyes, we're not nobodies. We are his very precious children. We are those that he has entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. The way that John 1 sets the scene for us by telling us who Jesus is, where he is from and how he relates to God. Our lives are to do that as ambassadors. Our mission is telling everyone about Jesus, proclaiming and demonstrating true relationship with the Father. God has given us the task. God has given you the task to tell everyone about Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus comes from the Father. That Jesus has made me a child of God. That you can be a child of God. We should live in such a way like that. Pointing to the one who gives us life. Sometimes we can get so hung up on evangelism. We can start thinking like, oh, I've got to be doing something. And we, we start feeling guilty and stressed out. And, and in the end, we end up doing nothing. Or we feel guilty that we've not done enough and, and we feel weighed down by it. You know that when you became a Christian and the Father entrusted the ministry of reconciliation to you, already... The Holy Spirit within you is talking to the people around you. Do you know God is already at work in your workplace? Do you know that God is already at work in your streets? Is already at work in your families? Is already at work doing his thing? And the ministry of reconciliation that's living in you is crying out to the people that are around you, come and meet Jesus. 
And that was one of the testimonies that came that, that she was living a life. She didn't even realize how much they knew that they were like experiencing God through her. People are experiencing God through you, whether you like it or not. Because you have the ministry of reconciliation. And so what we need to be doing, what we need to be doing is saying to God, God, what are you doing in my workplace? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing in those situations that I spend most of my time? You know, the Holy Spirit will start showing you. The Holy Spirit will start speaking to you. And you can say to the Holy Spirit, what is it that you would want me to do in this situation? And he will highlight people that he's speaking into their hearts. He's nudging them. He's doing something in them. And you go and be with them and you realize, actually, they're so ripe for the gospel. They're so ready for a word of encouragement. They're ready to be invited to church. Maybe you can make it your daily prayer that let it be that what I do today be part of your eternal plan. Do you know that um, this was research done by Evangelical Alliance? Do you know that more people become Christians because they've been invited to church or brought to church than any other reason? Do you know that people are generally up for um, an invitation to something, whether it's um, some church event or to church or something? People are up for invitations. And even if they say to you, no, not at the moment, they're actually genuinely really pleased that you actually invited them to something. They're more likely to be pleased about it than to be offended you know, so often we're afraid to even invite people to things because we don't want to offend people or put ourselves on people. But people actually like being invited because it makes them feel special. Sometimes um, I find myself with people that the Holy Spirit has like led me to and I'm in conversation with them. And, and maybe they've said to me, um, I'm sick or I'm in pain. And I'll say to them something like, I'm a Christian and, um, and at my church, we, we, um, and we, we talk about Jesus who likes to heal people. And I believe that Jesus wants to heal you. Would you like me to pray for you now? Something as simple as that. I've never had anyone say no to me for prayer for healing. Or I might be in a conversation with somebody and, and they're saying they're going through a difficult time. And I'll say to them, I'm a Christian and when I go through difficult times and things are hard for me, I, I pray about it and ask God to help me or to give me wisdom. And would you like me to pray that for you? Would you like me to pray for you that God will help you in your situation? And so often they say, yes. And it's so easy. Because the ministry of reconciliation is already at work in their lives. They're open to, to receive something of God. People are in desperate need for God and for his love, for his grace, for his kindness, for his truth. We are God's ambassadors. We are in this world for a mission, the mission of God, to reach people, to touch people's lives. 
Can I just pray for us all? Would you mind standing? Father God, I just want to just thank you for this great and amazing people that are here, Lord God. This body of your body, Lord Jesus, your church, who you love, you love passionately, and who you've poured out your spirit amongst. And I just pray, Lord God, that you will just open the eyes of their hearts so they can see you more clearly. That they can see, Lord God, where it is that you are leading them. Into the places that you are leading. Into the lives that you are leading them to to touch and to minister to. That, Lord God, I just pray that by your grace that you will just give them opportunities. And they will just see how it is that you are moving in them and using them powerfully. I pray for fruitfulness of the harvest I pray for this in season that they're, they're going through with fasting, that you will just do something mighty for them, God. That, Lord God, it will be easy as the fish jumping out of the river. That, Lord God, they will just realize how the ministry of reconciliation that's within them is already at work in the world in which they live. So, Lord, I just pray for your protection. I pray for your blessing. I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your anointing and grace upon their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.